0: are not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes One thing.
1: Welcome to another Just Informed Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. Thanks for joining us. We have a big show for you today. In the second hour, we're going to be joined by the FBI whistleblower, Nate Kane. He's running for Congress in West Virginia, and we're going to talk to him about what he's been through up till this point as one of the the people who came forward to expose the cover-up of what was going on at the FBI with regard to the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton crime cartel we're gonna to talk to him and get his take on what happened and what he plans to do about it as he is of course like I said running for Congress so we're excited for that and we also have a lot of other topics to talk about today namely we're gonna start talking about this Supreme Court decision which has just come down essentially we have justice's ruling that our territorial sovereignty no longer applies and uh that you as an individual citizen or as a state have no power to control the border as far as keeping our country from being invaded. We're gonna look at that decision. We're gonna discuss it and what Trump said uh, and how another one of his predictions has become uh true and has been proven accurate. We're gonna talk about that a few other stories too as well But, again, I want to say thank you for everybody joining us. If you're here in the front range from Colorado up into Wyoming and over in Nebraska, we are blessed to have you guys with us. Also, if you're listening on the live stream at Rumble or YouTube or wherever you're listening, thank you. Please leave your thoughts in the live chat or comment below this video. Uh, I'll be there reading everyone. And uh, Also, if you want to chime in, you can call or text The text line is open, 877-536-1360 is the number, Uh, so we got a lot to cover here today. We're going to really try to dive a little bit deeper in some of this stuff, but I also want to let you all know that we're joined by somebody who's becoming a bit of a regular here. Uh, You guys probably know him if you've been listening for the last few days, but I'll introduce him one more time. You guys know him. He's a U.S. Air Force veteran. He is a uh, military intelligence insider. He's also known as the Benghazi whistleblower, one of the people who came forward to expose what was happening, and that was the the Clintons as well, actually. So uh, he's going to be joining us today as a bit of uh, a co-host, and we're, we're going to talk about you know what's coming up in the future with regard to that a little bit later as well. I have some interesting and very positive news for uh what we're going to be doing here with the show going into the future with that though i want to take a second and uh bring on nick no uh nick are you there sir nick are you muted all right well we'll bring nick on i apologize <laughs> all I right apologize. hey there you are there he is how you doing brother
2: doing great thanks
1: for having me well you know like we've been talking about we may be having you a lot more regularly going into the future but we'll talk about all of that uh later when uh, we finally get uh that all figured out but for now nick you're going to be joining us here in the first hour and then you're going to be joining us in the second hour to uh help interview nate kane i'm sure you guys will have a lot you can talk about both of you guys being whistleblowers who came out against the clintons and are still alive thanks be to god right
2: yeah, surprisingly. I'm I'm uh, honestly shocked that I haven't been, you know, suicided yet. I mean, obviously, I'm not, I would never harm myself. I just want everybody to know that.
1: I'm glad that that you, you said that because I didn't – it's not even funny. I only laugh because it is so absurd that we live in a time where, where they can get away with that kind of thing. But I think like you said before, it was you who told me – you know, if you're going to come out and be a whistleblower, make yourself as as visible as is humanly possible, because that in and of itself is a form of protection, and be very loud, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, you might end up, uh, you know, um, they'll figure out some sort of way to get to you. They'll, they'll engineer something.
1: And if anybody out in our audience is listening and you, you work at one of these big corporations or you work for the government and you're seeing stuff i mean we want you to go through the right channels but we want you to come forward and expose it right nick
2: yeah if you're if you have a security clearance and there's actually a procedure that you have to go through and i'm sure that nate will cover that today for us
1: i'm very much looking forward to it so we have a few stories i want to cover here with you nick and we're going to kind of um start with this big story what happened yesterday a ruling came down from the Supreme Court and uh, a Monday they sided with the Biden regime and allowed border patrol agents to now remove the rate weight razor wire that's been installed at the Texas Mexico border this was a 5-4 vote the Supreme Court granted Biden's emergency request The two individuals who basically flipped the court in favor of Biden were uh, Justice Roberts. Not really a big surprise there, but the one that everyone is shocked and surprised by right now, Nick, is Amy Coney Barrett's decision to side with the uh, Biden regime in removing the border. So Nick, I wanna ask you, does a country, I mean, first of all, I guess you can give us your thoughts on what it means for America to have this kind of decision come down from the Supreme court. And then I'll talk about some stuff that Trump said where his, his predictions were were proven accurate. But, you know, when you hear this kind of ruling, what's your initial thoughts and reaction?
2: Um, You know, when I, when I saw it, Craig, I thought to myself, um, this isn't necessarily a good thing, but then if you really step back and think about it, a lot of times, the Supreme Court does things, and uh, they might even guide a little bit, but you might have to refile in a different way uh, to challenge it. You know, Maybe they have the right to remove the razor wire. Uh, maybe they're trying to edge or nudge people into thinking, okay, uh, maybe they have the right to do that, but what they're really saying is that you should get rid of the treasonous person or the person that's failing to uphold the constitutional duty, and that's really how you fix the problem. Maybe that's what they're trying to do
1: yeah i mean i've heard that as one explanation to a degree uh, but you know a lot of the the right wing conservative ink right now some of the people at least are coming out now and saying that biden's trying to start a civil war that they want this conflict between the texas national guard and the u.s border patrol because it will be a flashpoint for you know this narrative they're trying to sell about uh civil war and chaos you know they have their movies they're releasing that are priming us and predictively programming us for a civil war. Um, I part of me, Nick, worries that what they're trying to do is, if all else fails, to to really start civil conflict. But you don't you don't really subscribe to that, do you?
2: No, and uh, I tell you that uh, with every time they try to pull something new that is. Clearly, an encroachment upon the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. You know, they they use lawfare to drag it out, and um, you know they work tirelessly to try and wear us out. And you know, the spirits of people are high; they can see who the problems are and what we got to do uh, to vote them out and get the right people in.
1: I agree. I mean, <clears throat> one of the things that that crosses my mind, as you know, we've talked before about. The idea of this continuity of government, this this um, hidden sh- infrastructure or that that we can't see as far as how the government's being ran right now, it's 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 a possibility. I'm not going to say it's 100 percent true because it, we can't know, uh, or at least I can't. Uh, but to me, it would seem as though if we are fighting this this clandestine battle, right where let's say, hypothetically, that the military is actually in control and, and this is all a lot of theater, I guess my question is, because the people who are, have been the bad actors historically know they're untouchable, and they know they're untouchable, especially when they're in the public realm, it, it, are they are they waging their overt war publicly because that's the only place they can do it? And, and I want to get your thoughts on that when we come back, Nick. And we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. Plus, Nate King coming up in the second hour. Stay tuned. You're listening to Just Informed Talk Radio.
4: Holy fly paper.
3: Join me, J. Deplorable, for Swap Fight Wednesdays at 5 p.m. and Saturdays and Sundays at noon right here on
4: AM 1360.
1: just form talk radio i'm your host craig james we're joined by our friend nick no u.s air force veteran military intelligence insider benghazi whistleblower but more importantly nick uh you've been here with us for the last few shows consecutively and, and we're really uh looking forward to having you on here going into the future hopefully we're gonna get all those details squared away and then and then we'll make an official announcement but I want to take a second here and kind of like let you, if you recall the question, basically the question I had before the break, if you want to respond to that at all, I was talking about, you know, Amy Comey Barrett making this decision and, and how it seems as though if a lot of these public officials know they're untouchable to a certain degree, as long as they remain in the public light, that that's why they're waging their war overtly in public as opposed to... Uh, th- th- none of this is happening behind closed doors because it can't uh, close behind closed doors. Other factions are in control is what we're to believe. W- what do you think of that?
2: Well, if, if that's the case, this may be a, a point to highlight that an article Four, section four of the United States constitution says the United States shall guarantee to every state in the union, a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against an invasion and on the application of the legislator or the executive when the legislator cannot be convened against domestic violence. So um, a couple of things. Passe comitatus was passed at the end of the Civil War, and that says that the, the military cannot be used for domestic affairs, basically, um, you know, uh, to take care of policing. However, if I remember this correctly, um, Bush, uh, uh, Bush Jr., uh, and George Bush Jr. had actually uh, repealed Posse Comitatus ar- around the same time that uh, Obama then uh, got rid of uh, the ability to use propaganda against our own citizens.
1: Connect that. What, what, so so uh,
2: yeah. So yeah. Um, I think that any sort of issue that the military could run into in regards to Posse Comitatus, which says that... Uh, Uh, The militaries at the end of the Civil War to make sure that the troops weren't used as domestic police force. Um, I'm pretty sure that Bush had repealed uh, posse comitatus.
1: Wow. That would be an interesting turn of events. Um, I do know that Obama was partially responsible for uh, allowing, making legal propagandizing the American people. Uh, That, you know, we could go into more detail on, but I guess if that's what's happening, Nick, then it it would make sense that this is something uh, that we're seeing publicly. So, like you said, we can see uh, the unconstitutional nature of it all. I I found a couple of things interesting about this. First of all, I heard somebody who is, I can't remember who it was. I heard say this the other day, but somebody who's a legislator, or no, I heard a congressperson, I don't remember which one, say that they were seated in Uh, having like a conference with one of the Supreme Court justices of want to (sighs) say Alito or or Scalia not Scalia because he's dead but one of the the sitting justices maybe Alito and they were saying you know if you you know stop sending this stuff to the Supreme Court if you don't want an invasion then you need to make it happen in Congress and I thought that was you know, because Congress could supersede the, the Supreme Court ruling, correct?
2: Um, I don't know. I guess it could always be challenged as unconstitutional, but here's the thing. You know, the military swears an oath, and they, they were there before we even had a, uh, a government, formal government set up. You know, they had their own laws and regulations, and they're outside of the system itself. And they're the safeguard for our country, um, the immune system, if you will, for the uh, uh, the corrupt parts of our government. And, um, you know, they have the authority uh, to protect against both foreign and domestic enemies. And, that you know, it's the federal government's job to protect the border, and they may not be doing so. So the military is within their rights uh, and their responsibility to step in. And if there's conflict with the uh, united states government you know it's very clear that they are domestic enemies
1: so what kind of i mean is there a scenario where like you see this spiraling out of control let's say they look at this ruling the u.s Border patrol is sent down greg abbott tells the Texas National Guard do not stand down, do not allow it. Where, do you think it just where, – where do you think a situation like that goes?
2: Well, um, I don't know. I, I, I know that it's a conflict that they're trying to build up, and they want something to happen to start a civil war. Um, but I know that uh, our military will not do what they expect them to do or want them to do. Which, if if, if but like is, they're is they, the they you. But
1: my point is, is the U.S. Border Patrol technically military? I don't think so, right? I mean, they're a paramilitary force, but they're not a part of the actual military, are they?
2: They're not part of the military, so um, the the military does not take orders from them.
1: But the but I guess my point is like. If the deep state were trying to start this civil war, they would use a paramilitary force like the Border Patrol, which is outside the purview of the military, to go into direct conflict with another sort of paramilitary force in like the te- Texas National Guard, who is technically, uh, I don't know how that, you know, uh, structure of command works, but I, I'm pretty sure Texas National Guard is, is outside the military as well. Am I Correct.
2: Um uh somewhat. I mean when they're activated and of course um they are right now. When they're activated they are um you know, they are in the chain of command uh, to the military uh for certain you know, for certain stuff if they're under their jurisdiction or under the, the governor's. It gets it gets kind of complicated from there. However, um, you know, they're they're responsibility is to protect the border as we were talked about from the Constitution there they don't they don't report to the federal government uh, really so whenever someone tries let's let's assume that it escalates you've got the federal troops coming to cut the wire um, you know they could uh, stand in their way perhaps and then uh, you know if they try and escalate things then you know, they would be fully authorized to use any form of force that they need to to uh, neutralize threats. Like domestic uh, threats are the same as ones if you're on a battlefield in Afghanistan, you know, but they, of course, they'd have orders to um, de-escalate if they can.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's where my mind goes is that, you know, this is sort of a gray area where if they were to try to start this domestic civil war type conflict, They would use these these kind of gray areas, like with like we talk about the federal uh, border patrol paramilitary force against you know the the National Guard of Texas, which is sort of outside of the military's purview as far as you know they are ran on a state basis, you know through that uh, function. And so, interestingly enough. Uh, I don't know that it's going to escalate beyond just them speaking to one another and, and, like you said, maybe standing in front of each other. But who knows, right? we got to keep an eye on this stuff. And uh, well, Go uh, ahead.
2: Uh, sorry I have to interject here. I just found out more about the law with Posse Comitatus. The Posse Comitatus Act does not apply to Army National Guard and the Air National Guard when acting in law enforcement capacity within its own state when ordered by the governor of that state or in the adjacent state if invited by that state's governor
1: so this is what people have been talking about like I know uh, one of the podcasters out there who talks about Civil War all the time Tim Poole had mentioned that he thought like the Civil War would start with something like you know a state that has abortion legal um, like Colorado uh, would get into a fight with another state, like where it's illegal, which I'm pretty sure it's illegal in Texas now. Um, and that that would be where you would have this, you know, sort of standoff, and then you would have some sort of. But I think the border makes far more sense, especially with regard to, you know, the federal government trying to exert this control over a situation that they're obviously orchestrating to, to have happen, They want our country invaded. And I also thought it's interesting, you know, a part of me, Nick thinks more broadly. Um, It's easy to like narrowly focus on one thing and think, okay, well, I know I'm right on this where they're like, okay, well, they're invading our country with the way that the world is going Sometimes I think they're letting all these these third world people in because they're the first people who are going to get drafted once we get into a full world war skirmish. You know what I mean?
2: Sure, and then they're inviting them to enlist in the military, um even though they haven't been vetted. I mean, they probably don't even know their real names. And well, it's like the, it's like when that, the
1: Romans right? the, it's like when the Romans conscripted the barbarians to fight and, on their behalf and then the, they ended up turning around and and fighting them, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and that's a real threat. You know, maybe they're planning on letting all these people in, having them join the ranks, make their own little um, separate part of the military, kind yeah. of like the French Foreign Legion did. Uh, you know, uh, they're separate from the regular military to basically use as mercenaries all around the world yep. and assassins. So, uh, you know, that's what I was thinking when I started to see that. That's what they plan on doing is they plan on making their own uh, group within the military um and, uh, you know, pro- possibly turning them on us.
1: I mean, I just feel like, so a couple things that, that cross my mind when I think about it. First of all, you know, of course it would, it, it, there would be, I, I feel like there may be some military tacticians or, or whoever who think, okay, well, we need more bodies to send, you know, if we get into a big conflict, we're going to need people to send to these wars like you know you see what's happening in ukraine now the average age is like 45 or something for the their uh, soldiers that are active duty because all the young men have been killed so in some weird way it's like these guys are like okay well let's bring in this these third world you know migrants and then once they get here it's like surprise gotcha <laughs> we're gonna go to war these guys are gonna get you know put on the the uh you know the speed where where the boats the the landing boats right you know during d-day ship them right to the front line and then you know in a way that's how they see it happening and then like you said will end up happening more likely is that they'll develop a force that will be used against us ultimately and It was the same thought I had about, like, the cartel. I I kept thinking to myself, I was wrapping my brain around this the other day, and I know this is kind of uh, off on a side, but it's also kind of related. I was like, we have every capability in the world to take out these cartels, the Sinaloa and all the rest of them. It's not like that's impossible. But then I thought, what if, you know, uh, the cartel is just another form of, another layer of defense for, you know, keeping people from trying to invade us, right? I don't know i mean that was just thought like you leave that force down there kind of a a wild card you know uh, they can fight to protect that area that ultimately may not protect our border from the invasion coming from south america but you know if china lands they're going to have a problem dealing with that or if you know what i mean i don't know i'm not a military tactician that's just my (laughs) layman thoughts on it all what do you think
2: sure if you think about it in those terms you'd the United States would just go down there, you know, the CIA or whoever pay these guys and say, you know, uh, depending on how this goes, you guys could get a bigger bonus, but here's the money up front to do X, Y, Z. And man, they're hired guns. They'll do, uh, you know, they have a chain of command, but they're hired guns ultimately.
1: Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Like with the, the, the South Amer- it's all like a merc it all feels like mercenary stuff, you know? Um, anyway, that's an an aside from the point we were making about Amy Coney Barrett. Now I have some interesting thoughts on Amy Coney Barrett's decision here, but Trump had a thought that he shared before this decision came down, meaning I think he may have had inside info on it coming down. Obviously he probably knew the decision was coming down before it was made, but Trump basically predicted that judges and justices, he said this right before this ruling came out, would make legal rulings to outwardly disprove the notion of favoritism regardless of constitutional law and i think that essentially what we just saw with amy coney barrett is is that proving itself uh trump's remarks essentially said you know it when a democrat appoints a judge they act however they want but when a republican does they the judges or justices go out of their way to prove that there is no favoritism right which leads to rulings like this. What are your thoughts on that, Nick, as we hit a break?
2: Yeah, well, if you remember from uh, a couple of days ago, we were talking about how uh, Biden, is one of his uh, mentors, is uh, a Jesuit priest who uh, has basically said that he's all for open borders. I hope that um, her faith doesn't have anything to do with, uh, with her decision.
1: Oh, no. Is she a Jesuit or the female equivalent of one? We better – we'll talk about that much more when we come back. Uh, there's a lot more to uncover here, unpack, plus Nate King coming up in the second hour. It's going to be a great show. Everybody stay tuned. Make sure you call or text if you have anything you want to share, 877 536 or leave a comment below in, in, or leave a comment in the live chat. Either way, we'll be back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Just Informed Talk Radio. Directed.
4: Somebody on a sidewalk carjacking on
1: Welcome back to Just Informed Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. We're joined by our friend, uh, Nick No, U.S. Air Force veteran, and uh, he's been co-hosting the show for the last few days. We're going to hopefully have uh, a position for him soon, make it more official, but we're going to uh, wait to make that announcement coming up here in the next few days. I hope you guys stay tuned for that, but today's show is going to be great. We have joining us in the second hour, Nate Kane, the FBI whistleblower, who, uh, whose findings and FBI, the, the work he did as a whistleblower was actually covered in the Durham report. We're going to talk to him about his experience, what he's gone through. And now he's running for Congress, so we're really excited to have him join us in the second hour. Me and Nick will uh, be interviewing him. That's something to look forward to. So, you know, Nick, we've taken some time this morning to talk about what's happening on the border how there is a possible gray area where they may be working to start civil conflict, what they call the quote unquote civil war, which everybody seems to be uh, predictively being programmed to want to, to engage in, I guess, or to be ready for, or to be willing to accept when it's presented to us by the fake news. I think what could happen, Nick, uh, more, more overly would be a scenario where, The Texas National Guard refuses to cooperate with the U.S. Border Patrol, correct? And they say, no, we will not remove our barriers because this is a territorial invasion. You're failing to uphold your end of the the constitutional um, oath that you took. We are going to fulfill that oath regardless of whether you want it or not. And I think what will happen is, even though it may not become a hot conflict with people shooting each other down there, let's say, I would imagine this will be like a January sixth level talking point, which will become nuclear, metaphorically speaking, in the fake news. and they will they will run this 24/7 on headlines. Texas National Guard declares insurrection against federal government. Uh, you know, so on and so forth. What What do you think of that scenario? I, I feel like that's what's coming next here.
2: Well, if they try and do the insurrection angle, um, which would be a valid reason to use the military and domestic affairs outside of the National Guard, I, I think that, yeah, they're going to try and escalate this. Um, that, that's their only hope is to distract from the fact that the uh, Democratic Party doesn't offer anything but squalor and and uh, degradation of our our morals and um, you know nobody wants that anymore so they got to do whatever they can they know they're not going to win this next election so they got to do whatever they can to prevent it
1: well they're not going to win it legally at least it seems because they've they've gotten really good at cheating but i really want To stress to the audience that you may start hearing these headlines and and I hope I'm wrong a a lot of time Nick you know, I make these predictions and Unfortunately, I end up being right more than I'm wrong, which I guess is why people still tune in to a degree But this one I can feel in my bones like they want to sell this narrative of division, especially ahead of the election Uh, it's it's as I've said before what they their main export from the f- fake news propagandists is fear, um, because fear puts you in a fight or flight response mechanism or mode, and then you can be easily uh, manipulated or pushed in whatever direction they need you to go, as long as you're constantly living in fear. I talked about this with with simply looking at the way they handled the COVID pandemic and everything else since essentially nine eleven and the establishment of these twenty four hour news stations. They want you constantly living in fear because then they can control you more easily. Now, I think that they've been priming the population for this civil war narrative, and they're going to unleash it with seemingly with this conflict that they are creating on the border. Where, I mean, if you're a border patrol agent, Nick, I mean, you've you've served, you have a, a you know, you've you've been in the arena, as they say. Uh, these guys working on the border, how do they sleep at night with what they do? How do they sleep at night knowing they're betraying this country so deeply and taking orders from from such corrupt criminals? What, how do you, what, what do you say to that, Nick? As a person who served and blew I'm the sure whistle, that- and blew the whistle on these people who are being corrupt.
2: <laughs> well, uh, you know they need to step up. You know, I know that they're being spread thin, and there's probably working 12-hour shifts on and off uh, but uh, they need to speak out they need to uh, blow the whistle they need to go to congress there's a process through to do that um, there's also they could just go to the news and talk about um, certain stuff but they obviously they have to keep some stuff uh, that they can't talk about but they should definitely be blowing the whistle and sounding the alarm and let's not forget though that um, all of our institutions have been Infiltrated to include Customs and Border Patrol, especially then, because um, you know, uh, without that infiltration, the uh, the drug flow and human trafficking would slow down. That's prior to the invasion. Um, there was already a couple of people that were associated um, uh, with the uh, uh, Mexican cartels that were at a chief of staff, for example, the chief of staff around the time of the customs and border patrol uh, fast and furious he is connected to carlos salinas who runs the cartels really he's like the godfather of all the whole country
1: i've seen uh yeah stories exactly like what you're saying where you have these individuals who are you know basically infiltrators from the cartel that who get positions and then use them exploitatively um You know, it's interesting to me, they'll call us conspiracy theorists for saying that, but you just referenced directly some an incident that occurred where, you know, we have fast and furious, which it's amazing how short the attention span is by design of the American average American citizen at this point with regard to just, you know, (laughs) these people who put the Ukrainian flags in their bio and, and proudly take their their jab vaccines uh and trust the government implicitly with everything uh they don't a lot of them don't even know about but most of them even if they did know have completely forgotten already what happened even just with this fast and furious thing where you had what was it the dea was was basically selling guns to the cartels that were unable to be traced or tracked and then just sort of disappeared right
2: Yes, yes, and um, Dennis Burke was involved in that. He was a U.S. attorney and in covering for that. He resigned and, and he wasn't prosecuted. And uh, the chief of staff there, um, he was, uh, let's see, we got uh, Marco Lopez, Jr. He is affiliated and connected to the U.S. Uh, 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 the cartels, in, in particular, Carlos Slim, or Carlos uh, Salinas, and uh, he, was, he was in when Napolitano was the governor, and uh, he was the youngest, one of the, was the third youngest uh, person to become mayor. I think he was 21 years old or something like that in the border town called Nogales. And uh, he was, uh, you know, in, he basically infiltrated Customs and Border Patrol at that time, and, and that's who was in there. Um, you know and uh you know they, that's the kind of game that they've had running for a long time
1: i mean it's it's an interesting uh dynamic because like i said i think this has been being set up this has been in the works for a while i think they've wanted this this narrative we'll see if they're able to sell it they, they probably will definitely try to we're going to hit a break here in a second but when we come back Nick, I want to get your thoughts on a few other stories including how the corrupt FBI is now working to censor pro Trump Americans ahead of the election. We'll listen to a clip from Cash Patel explaining exactly what they're doing and uh, we'll get it, we'll get your take Nick and and I'll chime in my two cents, but everybody stay tuned. We have more plus like I said Nate Kane in the second hour, the FBI whistleblower Just a lot of amazing, powerful information coming up here. Everybody, stay tuned. You're listening to Just Informed Talk Radio. We'll be back after the break.
3: J-Day's Appliance is an independent local appliance dealer focused on Main Street, not Wall Street. We offer top brands at great prices, service, and parts to help you keep your current appliances running. So think outside of the big box and think independent and save at J-Day's Appliance. Located at 132 E7th Street in Loveland, Colorado. Or give us a call at 970-669-1357. You can also visit our website at jdaysappliance.com. That's the letter J
1: welcome back to just form talk radio i'm your host craig james we're joined by our friend friend of the show (laughs) nick no uh we'll have some exciting news about him and and how he'll be joining us going in the future coming up very soon but uh nick you know we have this clip i want to share it's cash patel talking about how the fbi is now working to censor pro-trump americans ahead of the 2024 election i thought this was sort of an appropriate clip to play as we're about to have in the second hour nate kane the fbi whistleblower who helped expose the uh, fbi's cover-up of what took place with the clinton foundation and was actually um, cited as a part of the findings in the durham report as well as uh, working with the trump administration he has a pretty interesting background uh, he's running for Congress. We're going to have him on in just a second. But, uh, Nick, I want to play this clip, and I guess we'll we'll just listen to the clip, and then, and then we'll kind of talk about it, all right? Okay. I love having you on the program because, one,
4: um, you have been so professionally right. You predict things months and years before they happen. You've done so on this program. Um, I, we probably should build our own cash stinger. <laughs> where it's like somebody telling the future, right? Like the 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 great whatever Johnny Carson used to do, right? Where he where'd hold stuff up to his head and he'd predict things. Um, well, I got one but, for you. I wasn't planning on rolling this out yet, but if you want, sure. One, God, okay. Well, I was going to continue my compliment, but please. All right. Uh, no, so Chris Ray just testified to Congress or informed Congress that he is guaranteeing the election security of the United States of America. Now you got to ask yourself, wait a second, what does that mean? How, how, how can How can he do that? Somebody call Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, and the other guys, and ask them if they have canceled every one of their contracts with the FBI's election task force to censor United States information. Ask them. Ask them if taxpayer-funded contracts are still in play from the FBI and DOJ to these social media giants and whether or not they are meeting with them weekly and monthly, with FBI leadership, to talk election security. So this is still ongoing, what you're saying? Like the the same censorship regime for social media to ding people or ban them from questioning the results of the election? This is still ongoing. No, the same people that met leading up to the last election, the FBI and Twitter, the FBI and Facebook, and their 80-person election security task force would go there and tell... Suggest, oh, you can't put this out. You shouldn't put that out. It is not the FBI's job to tell media companies what they should and should not put out. And the media should be revolting that a law enforcement agency is dictating to the media what they can and can't put out. But of course, they're giving them a hall pass because what they don't want them putting out is anything pro Trump. And as we spent millions, tens of millions of dollars as taxpayers allowing for this election rig job to happen. And we are essentially allowing it to happen again because no one at these companies is shredding these contracts.
1: So that was cash Patel on the Ben Johnson show talking about how the FBI is still going to be working behind closed doors with this quote unquote election integrity, uh, you know, uh, organizational effort. So Nick, you know, this is all basically the same thing we just saw in 2020, right? What what happened with, uh, you know, that FBI agent who was brought up, Elvis Chan and his interactions with, uh, you know, getting at, lobbying for security clearances for people at Twitter and then bringing those people into these meetings in, in the San Francisco office, in the FBI field office, telling them, you know, basically priming them for the Hunter Biden story so that they could pull the plug on that when it was necessary. What do you think, Nick, the next move will be? Uh, What what do you think, like, I guess more overly, you know, we know this is happening. What do you think the big story is going to be heading into the 2022 election that they're going to try to censor uh, like they did with the Hunter Biden laptop story?
2: Shoot, anything detrimental to the Bidens or uh, the United States government, probably for that matter, they're probably going to try and have them censor. Uh, if they're still doing that, that's unconstitutional. But they, here's a thing where a way where we could get back at them. Okay, so if they are doing that for only uh, against one candidate, then even though it's completely illegal and they're getting paid to do it, you can then say that they are not listing in kind donations to the candidates, which is illegal too. And then that's illegal campaign finance violations, right? Um, so we could do it that way and uh, pull them into court and say, hey, look, you're getting paid for this, and you're not listing it as uh, donations to this uh, candidate, so it's illegal. Um, that's one way to to shine some light on it, I think.
1: I agree 100%. I mean, that, this. I guess my frustration, and I've said this before on the show, but I'll, I'll kind of reiterate it for, for you uh, here so that we can discuss it, is you know i've been hearing this same thing about in-kind donations since what 2018 when when robert epstein was warning us about the 2020 election saying all mark zuckerberg had to do was send out a go vote you know notification and he could sway the the election to the tune of millions of votes and that this is all has been happening and you talk about taking these guys to court i get frustrated and, and maybe you you feel the same frustration nick that i do But I don't know if you have any uh, solution outside of what I've suggested, which I'll tell you my frustration and I'll tell you my suggested solution. Essentially, you know, I see it as almost impossible to get the people uh, committing the crimes to then go and investigate themselves and prosecute themselves for committing the crimes because the same people working at the FBI and the DOJ who are behind these crimes are the ones that we would – have to expect to bring charges against you know themselves essentially at that point and my only solution i could figure out in my head and i don't even know how this works legally it's the only one that seems to work in my brain is to have constitutional sheriffs from across the country Uh, Just start arresting these people. Uh, I don't care what federal badge they have. If they are committing crimes in the jurisdiction of a constitutional sheriff, he should have the authority to arrest them and bring charges against them there in that jurisdiction. uh, Because that's the only way I can see there being any any sort of retribution for these crimes. You know what I mean? Or culpability. What, What do you think of that?
2: I think that is a brilliant plan, and let me tell you why. Because the National Guard can um, basically take the orders from the governor, right, and they can operate domestically, and they can also be deputized. The sheriffs have the ability to deputize whoever they want. It could be a homeless guy on the side of the street, and they can deputize them, give them a badge, give them arresting power. And if they do that, as you said, which would be genius, then, uh, the, the, you know, uh Sheriffs can arrest anybody, anybody, anybody. so I think that's a brilliant plan, Craig and that's a solution
1: well, that's my solution and I'll get into a little more detail on that when we come back. Anyway, everybody, stay tuned. We have much more to talk about plus we're going to be joined by Nate Kane here very shortly coming up in the second hour everybody stay tuned if you want to call or text the text line is open share your thoughts 877-536-1360 or leave a comment in the the comments below or, or let me know what you're thinking in the live chat we want to hear your thoughts on this everybody stay tuned we'll be back you're listening to just Form talk radio
0: hello everybody in northern colorado you're all looking good. I knew you would. <laughs> Keep listening to AM 1360, The Roar of the Rockies, the best station ever. You are listening to KHNC, The Roar of the Rockies. The Rockies.
1: just form talk radio i'm your host craig james we're joined by our friend nick no u.s air force veteran military intelligence background he's uh the benghazi whistleblower he's he's been joining us as a co-host for the last uh i don't know a few weeks right so we're looking at you know really working with him a lot going in the future we're very excited about that we'll make an official announcement coming up here soon in the next hour we're going to be having nate kane Uh, On the show, hopefully, God willing, as long as everything works out, he is scheduled to be on with us. We're going to be talking to him about his incredible story and his new uh, push to run for Congress. Very interesting Uh, gentleman who has an interesting background is, is an FBI whistleblower. But, Nick, before the break and in our final segment, we were just talking about solutions for this problem that we see happening and coming where you're having, you know, would this be? A constitutional crisis if we have a situation unfold in this nation where we have to resort to having uh, constitutional sheriffs deputize National Guard to arrest federal agents who are working, uh, who are breaking laws in, in, in these jurisdictions by illegally doing things. First of all, I mean, the, the most obvious and apparent thing that they're doing is facilitating the invasion of America and, and essentially violating their constitutional oath, right, Nick?
2: Yes, absolutely. And, and uh, clearly it's by design and it's uh, unconstitutional. They are derelict in their duties. And if, you know, as we were just describing, there, as part of their duties that they swore to uphold, and defend, um, they are supposed to protect the border. And then if they are obstructing the ability to do so or uh, inhibiting the ability to protect our border, they are, in fact, criminals. You're not supposed to follow unlawful orders. And I think you're genius behind that idea. Uh, and you should really contact people and listeners should, too, to encourage the sheriffs down on the borders to deputize the National Guard.
1: Well, I mean, I, I can't lie. I've been saying this idea for a very long time now it's it's been the only thing I see as a viable solution and that was exactly the thought I had right before the break was that the, fir- the, the best place to implement this to start would be uh, constitutional sheriffs along the border like you just said because if they so Like we said, I mean, if they are able to, let's say, deputize the National Guard, then they can start arresting the Border Patrol agents when they go to remove the the razor wire. Now, I don't know what happens when a constitutional sheriff with the Texas National Guard attempts to arrest a federal Border Patrol agent. I don't know. That could be in and of itself the the shot that, you know, is heard around the world if if something uh, were to go off there. But I would imagine... As long as these border patrol agents, I don't, I don't know that you know. Some of them are, are surely corrupt if they're letting this happen, or they just don't care. But most, I would imagine, see what they're doing as being unjustifiable, and and I feel like they would stand down. What do you think?
2: I think so too. You you know, they might have a you know, sidearm, or maybe even. Uh, an AR that they barely use, but these guys are trained professionals, and that would be a very bad idea to attack uh, people from our military with fully automatic weapons who've been trained, heavily trained, to use them.
1: I don't think that would end well for the the, uh, U.S. Border Patrol, but I don't know. And I don't know how anyone would react. I mean, this is kind of – it's – it's new territory for us in modern ter- terms, at least. We haven't seen anything like this in quite some time. And, again, I, I, like you said, like I said, I think it's by design. But when we come back, hopefully uh, we'll get Nate Kane online uh, sooner than later and get him going. But we have a lot more to talk about here. Nate Kane coming up in the second hour. Everybody stay tuned. You're listening to Just Informed Talk Radio. I'm your host. Craig James joined by Nick. No, uh, make sure you text eight seven seven five three six thirteen sixty. We just had somebody text in, uh, and I'll share what they texted in just a minute. Everybody, stay tuned. A big show coming up for the rest of this uh, show, at least hour two coming up. Stay tuned. Join me Wednesday on Swamp Fight when I'll
0: be joined by Colorado State Representative Mike Lynch. Be
3: there or be square. That's Wednesday at 5 p.m. right here on AM 1360.
5: I'm Neil Cavuto and this is the Fox Business Report.
4: Procter & Gamble earnings indicate some people are getting used to paying more. P&G says higher prices are still behind its sales growth but shoppers purchased more things in the recent quarter. Volume increased especially for hair and family care products. P&G makes Tide, Bounty Paper Towels, Crest Toothpaste and many other brands. Though earnings declined part of the drop came from an expense at its Gillette business. P&G sales rose 3%. General Electric shares are lower despite a better than expected quarter. Johnson and Johnson is also reporting earnings and revenue that top predictions as is 3M. But the forecasts are coming in cautious. GE, J&J and 3M shares are all lower. That's your Fox Business Report. I'm Ginny Cosola. invested in you.
3: Testosterone levels have dropped by 50% since the 1940s, and true masculinity is retreating into these pathetic spaces. Now, all this gender-bending has men questioning who they are and how to fulfill their sacred roles in life as fathers, husbands, and community leaders. Warrior MBS is all about unlocking and unleashing these kinds of men. Go to warriormbs.com to check out the program and set up a live chat with Jeremy today. Again, that's warriormbs.com.
0: pound it whatever you choose and get this there's absolutely no loss of principle if you ever need your money back go to investyrefy.com that's invest the letter y r e f y.com or call 888 Y refi 24 you can earn a fixed rate of return that's up to 10.25 percent just call 888 Y refi 24 or go to investyrefy.com and tell them joe sent you The views and opinions expressed on
3: 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Excursion Broadcasting Network.
1: I work backwards Just for a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm holding you before the memory gone. I remember you. You lift my feeling. With you high as all I'm feeling. Remember how we felt the light. I remember you. Welcome back to Justin Form Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. Now, hour two of the just informed talk radio show is going to be very interesting we're going to be joined by a very special guest you know him as nate kane he is the fbi whistleblower who's got an incredible story that we're going to dive a little bit into plus we're going to talk about his upcoming run for congress and much more uh also we're joined as you guys know by nick no u.s air force veteran military intelligence insider benghazi whistleblower As he's uh, also commonly known, he's going to be with us as well in this second hour. We're very excited. Before we get them on, though, I want to take a second and thank one of the sponsors. You guys know it's WarriorMBS.com. You heard them over the break, but... Warrior Mind, Body, Soul is an amazing program for men specifically. It's a team-oriented experience that's built on this premise that we need to make men stronger to make this society better. Uh, It's all based in scriptural teachings. It's a team-oriented experience that will help you increase your mental clarity, supercharge your physical fitness, and provide a fresh spiritual grounding that will support everything else you do. All you need to do is be 16 years or older and be an actual man. Um, If you know what I mean these days, you have to be clear. Uh, The curriculum is based on a biblical worldview of men and masculinity, and all you need is a smartphone and about 30 to 45 minutes per day to get involved. Jeremy Sladen, former professional baseball player and a certified trainer, will help you personally set up a a diet plan and a workout regimen, and uh, you will be held accountable by other men, iron sharpening iron at, at its best where in this experience you guys will be broken down into teams, and then you'll compete with one another against each other to hold each other to uh, completing your goals and being uh, successful as men should uh, uphold one another. It's really a powerful program. I'm thankful to them for being a sponsor. Make sure you go check them out today and set up that call with Jeremy. It's WarriorMBS.com. WarriorMBS.com that stands for mind body soul warrior com. thanks to them for sponsoring the show now without further ado i want to bring on the guest we have for the second hour uh you know he's got a very interesting background he's a veteran and he's also known as the fbi federal whistleblower he's been written about everywhere and he's been around for quite some time exposing a lot of the the corruption that's happening he was referenced in the durham report and he's also got a very extensive background in cybersecurity. so without further ado i want to bring nate kane on the show nate are you there yeah i am thank you so much for having me on absolutely nate it's a pleasure to have you on and we're also joined by nick no so nick you can feel free to chime in whenever you want but Nate, I I really wanted to have you on because, you know, we have some mutual friends and and I feel like your story is going to become more and more important as we get closer to this upcoming election, not only for the fact that you're running for Congress, but for what you've been through up to this point. And I guess where I want to start to give our audience a little bit of background is, could you explain how you became this quote-unquote FBI whistleblower? How did that all come about? And, you know, i think that's a good place to start for context if if you want to just kind of expand a little bit on that so they can get an idea of your background then we can talk about you know uh your your upcoming run for congress and some other things as well uh if you don't mind could we start there nate
5: sure so i uh as you mentioned i'm an army veteran i got out of the military and um, i started working as a navy civilian uh, then i went to work as a marine corps civilian and when I was with the Marines, I ended up being uh, put into a, a very specialized unit. It's called a Cyber Protection Team. Uh, that was really kind of my first introduction into the intelligence community. And uh, I was detached. My unit was uh, part of the national mission going after hackers that were hacking our national critical infrastructure. And so I got trained in Cyber Corps, which is, you know, they basically teach you how to hack and how to find, you know, the enemies within the system. Uh, they, our unit became detached and, and attached, uh, detached from the Marines and attached to the NSA. So while I was there at the NSA, I got read on to programs like FISA, Section Seven Hundred Two, intelligence authorities, SIGINT, all of those kinds of surveillance tools that we hear about today that are oftentimes unfortunately being abused. Um, but while I was there, and uh, after I got through their schooling, it was pretty advanced training. Um, I got offered a position. Uh, working at the FBI as a a cybersecurity subject matter expert. And I went there as a contractor. Uh, They offered me twice my salary, so it was pretty hard to turn down. But uh, it was one of those moments where, you know, I was just extremely excited and proud, you know, to go work for the FBI. Um, I've had law enforcement in my family for, you know, my whole life, and I had a great respect for the FBI. And when I went to work there, uh, everything seemed fine. I was doing my job you know, focused primarily on uh, setting up, developing, and architecting their vulnerability management system for all of their field offices and uh, around the world. And what ended up happening was I came to the office one day and I overheard a conversation that I wish I hadn't heard, but I couldn't ignore it. Uh, But basically, it entailed uh, allegations that somebody had seen transcripts of a conversation uh, from the seventh floor, which is the Uh, senior leadership in the FBI, that the FBI had multiple investigations into Hillary Clinton and that they they had credible evidence of criminal activity and they were going to shut down their investigations over fears that Hillary Clinton was going to become our next president and they were afraid of reprisal from her. So they decided to shut down the investigations. Now, when I heard this, I couldn't believe it but I couldn't ignore it and so I went looking. I had access to um, I had a top secret clearance. I had uh, been read on to multiple programs. I had access you know, to the FBI's uh, internal database and so I went and I did some searches and I did not find those transcripts but what I did find was a lot of evidence. Evidence that uh, was being compiled on Hillary Clinton. Uh, evidence that was made up primarily of Suspicious activity reports that had been reviewed and looked at um, by FinCEN and uh, had analyst notes uh, indicating a high credibility of four major crimes. And those were money laundering, public corruption, uh, securities exchange uh, fraud, and terrorism financing. So, I, and these had. Case numbers, they were being reviewed out of three different field offices, uh, primarily the Little Rock, Arkansas field office, the New York field office, and the Washington field office. So at that point, I thought, well, you know, the the rumors about them shutting anything down, that that must just be rumors because, you know, they had case files. They had case numbers. They had three separate field offices. How could you possibly cover something that big up? And that's kind of how I thought about it. but. To be safe, I you know, I had I downloaded the, these files onto my government computer and you know classified computer, and uh, and I you know I just kind of sat on it and uh, and at the time, you know there was a lot of uh, you know things that were going on within the FBI, and I remember you know you had the the email uh, investigation that was going on in the, the email server, uh, the the email server that was found in in and uh, Hillary Clinton's basement of her home up there and this email server had become a big deal they you know the FBI had investigated and then they kind of closed it and then they reopened it and and they had done a quick down and dirty review of everything on there and of course her the big kind of big warning sign to me was that her lawyers had to lead a whole bunch of emails. You know,
1: Wait, emails. Uh, hold that thought. We're hitting a break. When we come back, pick it up. I mean, but but Nate, you're talking about a server. You know, like the, like you wipe it with a cloth, like that kind of server? <laughs> exactly. All right, exactly. no, when we come back, we're going to let Nate keep going. Everybody stay tuned. You're listening to Justin Informed Talk Radio. We'll be back after this break. Welcome back to Just Form Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. We're joined by the FBI whistleblower, Nate Kane, who is running for Congress in the 2nd Congressional District of West Virginia. And We're going to talk to him about that in a minute. But before the break, uh, we were letting him tell us about his background as the one of the quote-unquote FBI whistleblowers who's come forward. His experience is something that... We should really be paying attention to, especially as we come into another election uh, year with so much on the line. And, Nate, you know, you were you were basically we stopped and and left off right where you were talking about this server that was uncovered in this. I think it was a bathroom right in Chappaquiddick, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. And this was the one that that held the. Infamous thirty three thousand plus, I guess, emails that Hillary Clinton uh, supposedly or allegedly, I guess, or do we know now? I guess, deleted. Well, um, well her lawyers, yeah, deleted them, and right. uh, and the yep. uh, bleach bit.
5: And what what was significant about that? And that to me was like the first warning sign that there was something maybe to these rumors that they were going to cover something up. Because in all my years, and I've had a top secret clearance for twenty six years, I worked for government. Uh, various agencies, various, uh, you know, DOD um, groups. And what I will tell you is uh, there's been probably four or five times that I've been subpoenaed uh, where, you know, there were emails that had gone out and they wanted to review those. And I was told clearly, you know, uh, without any kind of misunderstanding, do not delete these, these emails or you will be guilty of a crime. And so the fact that she was subpoenaed for that server, and then her lawyers deleted those emails, and nobody ever, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, was charged with a crime for that. That was kind of to me the very first warning sign. But then, as you'll remember, Comey went out in front of the Jagger Hoover Building, and on that day when he had the infamous press conference where he basically said, "Oh yeah, Hillary Clinton had all of these classified." thousands of classified emails on that server. And in addition to those thousands of classified, just secret and uh, confidential, they also had seven email chains that had what they call special access programs. So for those that don't understand what that is, that's above top secret. So a special access program is something that's compartmentalized, that it's usually the kind of information that could get people killed. And so it's extremely uh, protected. When I've had to get access to uh, some SAPS, as we call them, um, I've had to do things like go to see my security manager. And this is inside of a secure, compartmentalized information facility, what we call SCIF. I go to the the security manager. I have to sign, you know, for access to that document. It's usually in a folder kept in a safe. They have to. Unlock the safe. Only two people have the combination of that safe. Then I look at. Uh, she has to verify that you know that I'm not uh, that I am one you know somebody who's on the inside cover of that uh, of that cover letter for that special access program. And then it's carried into a safe room within the skiff to where they have specialized equipment to prevent surveillance. And I go into there to read it. They don't want anybody, even with a top secret clearance, seeing these documents. By you know walking by and you know shoulder surfing, you know and, and and overseeing something that they shouldn't be seeing, and so then when I'm done, I have to close it up with the cover letter and then bring it back to her and it gets put back into the safe and signed back in. That's how serious this is. So the fact that there were seven Saps or seven email chains with Saps in them on her uh, email server was very telling to me because you can't just get something, you can't just accidentally email that you know, out of a skiff or out of the top secret network, that's something that is uh, is very protected and you would have to with intent walk that out. And, uh, and so all of that, by the way, falls under the Espionage Act. So the moment that they said, he said all of that and then he goes, but no reasonable prosecutor would bring a charge against her for that. <clears throat> and he talked about how, you know, she was unsophisticated and all of this and, you know, giving these excuses and as you mentioned before we went to the break about how she made that claim uh what do you mean wipe it wipe it with a cloth i mean all of that was kabuki theater she knew darn well what she was doing because see as a as a uh a classification authority which the secretary of state is um she would have been highly trained in how to handle classified documents but at that time that all of that was going on that that inner or that that press uh uh that uh press meeting was happening um what ended up occurring was i'm sitting in my cubicle and and i hear all of a sudden i hear my my uh my boss the uh, unit chief so the information uh, assurance division cussing and swearing in his office and so i get up and i walk over i had a good relationship with him and i i you know stepped in his office i'm like chuck what's going on and he and he was just he was watching the news and watching this press release a press uh, conference and he said we at the fbi we don't make determinations we only investigate meaning they don't they don't choose whether or not to bring an indictment that's not the fbi's job that's the department of justice's job the fbi's job is simply to investigate and then provide their findings to the department of justice and so when he said that i i I was still kind of being naive at the time. And I said, well, do you think maybe cause I knew about all this other stuff that i had found when I'd been looking into things. And I said, do you think maybe they're going light on her with the server because they're going to bring some major, you know, charges on other stuff. And he goes, no, they're covering this up. And at that moment, that's when I realized I had to make a decision. So at that point I walked back to my desk and I sat there kind of stunned for a while and I prayed about it. And I felt, very clearly that God had put me there at that time and at that place for a reason, and so I prayed and I felt the Lord, you know, give me a confirmation that He had had me there for that reason, and I needed to to do the right thing. Now it took the time because I had to figure out how to do this. The people involved in covering this up were essentially uh, Robert Mueller, who now was, you know, was the special prosecutor being sent out against, you know, Trump. It was also Comey, who was. Uh, you know, now was the FBI director, but at the time of Uranium One, which was a lot of these documents and the money laundering stuff was about that. uh, He was the deputy director and Robert Mueller was the FBI director. But you also had Michael Atkinson, who was the, uh, at the time, was the head of public corruption, but now was the intelligence community uh, inspector general, the guy who I would have to go through in order to file, um, you know, a whistleblower complaint. And then you had, the Deputy Attorney General, who uh, Rod Rosenstein, who was the U.S. Attorney in charge of the investigation into all of the stuff related to Uranium One. So now all of this stuff's going on. I'm going. How in the heck can I even report this? Because I would. Everybody in my chain of command, essentially at the senior level, was involved in the cover up. So I, uh, I spent some time doing some research, and I found that within the law, I could take this stuff directly to. Any of the, uh, the the two intelligence committees, uh, and I could hand over documents to a senior staff member. I had a courier card which allowed me to carry top secret documents outside the FBI, and so I just needed to make an arrangement. But you know, this is scary stuff. You're talking about very, very powerful people who I was essentially going to, you know, blow the whistle on, and uh, you know, including you know people within our own government and also Hillary Clinton uh, and Russian intelligence agents, and so. Uh, I ended up making arrangements through a uh, YouTuber who had he inter- he had wit- he had done some interviews of some pretty prominent whistleblowers, um, one of them uh, being Bill Binney, who was the NSA whistleblower. And I figured he may have some contacts in Washington, D.C. I knew he was a Christian as well. He always ended his show with a Bible verse. And so I reached out to him. Sure enough, he did have those connections. He made a connection with, uh, uh, he had a connection with uh, somebody who could walk in and talk to Devin Nunez, who was the chairman of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, and so we set up a clandestine meeting, and I, on, on uh, it was 2017, October 31st, I walked out of the FBI uh, with over 458 classified, you know, or pages of classified documents on a thumb drive, and uh, met with uh, Bill Still, this was the, uh, the journalist or YouTuber. And then um, we met with a a senior staffer to Devin Nunez and drove around the Capitol for about three hours while I debriefed him on everything that was on that phone drive. And at the end of that conversation, he asked me, can you go back in and get some more information for us? And at this point, I was just like, oh my gosh, are you serious? This took every bit of courage to do that. And now they wanted me to go back in. I only had a week left. Uh, But they were specifically looking for an yeah, they were looking for an intelligence report that they had word on that would prove, because it would show it would be dated, it would have to be documented, and it would show that the FBI knew well in advance of the the CFIUS committee, which is the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S. Uh, there was a document that would prove the FBI knew. That a Russian energy company named Rosatom was dirty and was uh, trying to infiltrate our uranium supply chain with a bribery and kickback scheme, and they had all the evidence of this, and yet they didn't. They failed to notify the CFIUS committee, uh, and they you know they allowed for essentially the sale of twenty percent of our uranium supply uh, to Russia, you know through uh, this company, uh, you know by uranium. Uranium 1 was a company that was a Canadian mining company but they were processing 20% of the US uranium supply chain. And it ended up uh that company was being sold to Rosatom this Russian energy company even though Rosatom was known to be dirty. So they allowed for this to happen knowing that information. And so that was essentially the bulk of what I was bringing out but what I brought out had a lot of other stuff in there including like I said um, there were documents that showed that regular payments—and actually, this is how I met Nick—no, um, there were regular payments that were coming out of the Clinton Foundation, being wired through uh, multiple shell bank accounts, and ending up into the account of uh, somebody in um, who was on the terrorism watch list, and he was the head spokesman of the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. And uh, I believe that, and all of this, by the way, was in the run-up to the Arab Spring. And I think that this was all, you know, part of a, a essentially a plot to, you know, cover up criminal activity that was going on with gun running, uh, guns that were being, you know, moved in Syria and all of that. And uh, Nick, of yeah, course. Yeah, we
1: we had to arm the moderate no rebels, right? Wasn't that the, the thing? Um, <clears throat> I mean, your, your story is incredible, Nate. I cannot tell you. I mean, I I followed it in real time from, you know, the moment I first heard your name. I've been having people tell me about what you're doing and to follow your work. And I've seen it kind of evolve over the years where uh, you kind of expose us. Do you feel and I want to let Nick jump in. If Nick, if you have anything you want to ask or share, please feel free to jump right in. But I was just going to say, you know, although I'm sure you feel vindicated, Nate, for the fact that the information's been made public now and that that people are aware, is it frustrating that there's still been no recourse for these crimes?
5: Oh, without a doubt, it's extremely frustrating. Uh, You know, in the end, the only person that paid any price was me. Uh, After I completed my disclosure, and eventually I ended up going through the Department of Justice, IG, to get that secondary bit of information to both the House and the Senate Intel Committees. But four months after I completed my disclosure, the Democrats took over the House. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, Adam Schiff became chairman. I'm pretty sure they leaked those documents back to the FBI. They were able to figure out who it was that had accessed them. And I got raided by the FBI at my home in Maryland. And uh, they put my family through quite an ordeal. In the end, I was never charged. not even a suspension on my security clearance, and, uh, and I still hold my clearance today. But they put us through hell, and nobody, you know, who was actually a criminal in this matter, uh, did any time. And then to make matters worse, the judge that signed off on the search warrant of my home, um, there was a. This was a a, a Maryland magistrate. Um, The Daily Caller had sent a FOIA request to that magistrate asking the singular question, was the judge notified that Dennis Nathan Kane was a protected whistleblower under the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act before signing off on that search warrant? And a Clinton-appointed judge put a seal on that answer, and then she sealed her justification for putting a seal on that answer. Think about how corrupt that is. The very people who I was blowing the whistle on, was of course the FBI, but also the Clintons. And then a Clinton judge puts a seal on the answer as to whether or not essentially that search warrant was illegal. That's that's, that's wild. kind of, it, it is. And of course I ended up, uh, the FBI doxed my name uh, because I had anonymity. They doxed my name, you know, making me public. Um, ultimately uh, they doxed me to the New York Times, somebody at the New York Times decided to run a hit piece on me. I ended up getting poisoned twice. I had somebody loosen the lug nuts on my vehicle um, right before a long trip. I had multiple death threats on social media, and uh, it was it was a horrifying time. And I ended up, you know, having to you know leave uh, and flee Maryland and and move to you know West Virginia, where at least here uh, I can protect myself, and you know I can exercise my Second Amendment.
1: Brother, I know that God is at work in your life, man. I, I can tell you that right now. This is a Christian show, and we put Christ first. And I can see that He's there, man. He's protecting us, and and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about West Virginia and a lot more. Everybody, stay tuned. You're listening to Just Informed Talk Radio. We'll be back.
3: Hi, this is Tammy Cuthbert-Garcia with Naturally Inspired Radio. Tune in Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. for the latest in natural health news. Get real solutions for healthy living and hear from our inspiring guests that are leading the way in health and freedom.
1: Hi, this is Craig James from Just Informed Talk Radio, and I'm here to tell you about MyKind CBD products. I have been using these products myself, and I can tell you this is the highest quality CBD product I've ever used in my life. MyKind CBD products are 100% THC-free, locally sourced from Colorado hemp farmers, and they're organic. And if you want, you can give them a shot today by going to 1360KHNC.com slash shop. And when you do, make sure you try out everything from the sunscreen, to the lotion, to the salve, to the retinol cream, to the tinctures, to the cocoa, to the coffee, to the tea, everything in between. And make sure you try out the pet products as well. They have pet shampoo and pet tincture. You're not going to be disappointed. These products are white-labeled and sold in high-end stores and boutique salons for two, three, and four times the price you're going to be paying at 1360khnc.com slash shop straight from the manufacturer. So go there and buy your products today, and I know you're going to become a repeat customer just like me.
0: Nine Eleven, the Podesta emails, Epstein Island, Hunter's laptop, the 2020 stolen election. What truths are they hiding? Find out this and more on Just Informed Talk Radio, weekdays from 7 to 9 a.m.
1: Welcome back to Just Informed Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. We're joined by the FBI whistleblower who uh, basically blew the lid on the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton crimes right there that were and still are being covered up by the FBI. Uh, Nate Kane, who is uh, also running for Congress in the 2nd Congressional District of West Virginia, and I want to talk about that. Uh, Right before we left, though, uh, Nate, you really dropped a bomb, you know, talking about what you experienced post you know blowing the whistle and coming forward and exposing all these crimes and one thing you said that stood out to me kind of is ringing in my head is that you said you know i exposed all these uh, people but I, i'm the only one who suffered any consequences or retribution for these crimes you talked about being poisoned and having you know people make threats on your life and loosening love nuts on your car obviously that's that's a threat to you know your safety and, and your family and you know, I said right as we were leaving, you know, God has a mission for us. You know, we we as Christians are to live a certain way and, and to act with integrity and to do the right thing. And when you do that, you know, it, it may not be easy and it may come at, at a certain cost, but God will be there to protect you. And I, I believe that that's what's happening with Although you, brother. Out. And I, and and I got to say were, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. And I hope you're an encouragement to others to see that, you know, even if there isn't an instant justice, that... God will not only protect you but he will ultimately deliver us through all of this, right?
5: Absolutely. There were some miraculous things that occurred and I should share them with you just uh because I think your your listeners would want to hear this and I think it will encourage them. Um one of the things is, is that when I blew the whistle, the when I did through my second disclosure and I had to go through the IG, um I had to get a lawyer and it was not cheap. I mean, you know, the I met with this lawyer and he basically Right off the bat, asked me, Are you independently wealthy? And, you know, do you have, or do you have any rich relatives? And I told him, I said, No. And I said, Why are you asking? He says, Because I'm expensive. He was $750 an hour, and he was one of the best whistleblowing attorneys in all of Washington, D.C. But uh, I didn't have the money for that. And I asked him if he could do it pro bono, and he laughed and said, Are you kidding me? You're going up against Hillary Clinton, the FBI and Justice Department leadership, and Russian intelligence agency. He said, My. Law partner would throw me out of the office if I tried to do this pro bono. That's way too much liability. And so I went home that night, and I wept. I got with my wife. I thought my life was over. I was going to either end up dead or in jail or both. And um, I got on my knees, and we got on our knees together, and we just prayed and prayed and prayed. And then eventually went to bed, and I woke up every hour on the hour just filled with anxiety. And um, all I could do, you know, was what I know to do when – your situations are out of your hands. I, I just got on my knees and would pray and I'd go back to bed and then I'd wake up again and get on my knees and pray and go back to bed. This went on for like two days. And then I got a phone call from that attorney and, uh, his name's Michael and Michael calls me up and he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, well, mate, he says, uh, something interesting happened. He says, I went down to, Nashville to go talk to a lady that I know down there. She's uh, you know eighty something years old. She has more money than she you know she needs, and I thought maybe she'd be willing to donate you know ten thousand dollars or something like that to get you a a legal fund started. And while he was talking to her, she asked him you know about you know what happened, and and she asked him you know what this was going to end up costing me, and he said probably a couple hundred thousand dollars. She pulled out her checkbook and wrote a check for two hundred thousand dollars. Wow we went into an escrow account that, with multiple lawyers and co-counsels and everything else, ended up coming to $196,000. So amazing. it covered everything.
1: God is so good. Now, God answers our prayers, so man. I mean, that's incredible. He does.
5: he does. So that that was kind of miracle number one. The second miracle occurred when we were, after we had some money, about two weeks later, we decided to go get some, um, some counsel from a defense attorney. And we went to go we wanted to go meet with uh Victoria Towsing and Joe Geneva. Victoria Towsing was representing the other uranium one whistleblower, guy by the name of um William James Campbell, who was the he was an FBI informant who had um uh been informing on uh, situations related to Uranium One and Ten And um so we went to go see her, but right before we went in I was just you know, again, still so stressed out and And I just asked him, Michael, can we pray before we go? And he said, yes. And he grabbed me by the hand, and we prayed, sitting in his car. And right about then, I had this flashback memory from 10 years earlier. My wife and I had been at a church in Southern California uh, in Moreno Valley, a church named Palm Canyon Christian Fellowship. And we had gone through this exercise where they were having the church basically practice this practice of learning to hear God's voice. And so <clears throat> what we were doing was we were praying and fasting, and then we were supposed to sit quietly with a notepad and listen for that still small voice and write down what we hear. Well, I did that and all I heard was go to Sikars. So I wrote it down. And then uh, you know this is back before cell phones. I got on my computer. Um, you know well, cell phones were there, but we didn't have the smartphones. but I, I got on my computer and you know and I, I got onto to MapQuest and I looked for some place called Sicars didn't exist my wife even remembered this story because at the time she you know she was a Spanish major and she she thought well maybe I heard you know wrong maybe I heard God wrong maybe it was so- uh, Socorro which means help in Spanish and there was a place named Socorro New Mexico but I, I told her I said no I, I know what I heard it was Sicaris. and but we couldn't find anything so I just kind of forgot about it so now fast forward 10 years later I'm sitting in the car with Michael He's praying with me. He says amen, and I realized, I had this flashback of that memory, and I realized his last name is Sikaris, Michael Sikaris. And what's amazing about this is I didn't even pick him. Uh, I ended up calling on my friend who is uh, the Bill Still to find me a lawyer because I was too scared to come out of hiding. And so he had found this guy, uh, Michael Sikaris. And so when that when I had that real that revelation, that 10 years earlier, the Lord had told me, go to Sicarius. It wasn't obviously as an instruction, it was more that it reminded me of kind of like the, when Jesus told his disciples, you know, standing in front of the temple, he says, destroy this temple in three days, I'll rebuild it. They didn't understand what he meant until afterwards. And I think oftentimes, a lot of times, the Lord speaks to us in that way. This, what it did for me though, is it completely removed all fear. At that point, I knew exactly that I was right where God had intended me to be. For ten years, He had been guiding my steps so that I would be there at that moment, at that moment in time. Well, I mean, He Talking knows. Michael, he far.
1: knows right. how many hairs are on our head, and and He knows uh, where where we are headed before we know. And I think you know, the serendipity of God's plan when it comes together is is one of the most magnificent things you'll ever experience. And to all of our listeners out there, I encourage you to, to really uh, strengthen your faith. And, and if you haven't accepted Christ, now is your, your opportunity to repent, accept him and watch him do things in your life that you never thought were possible. I've seen it in my own life, Nate, and I, and I can see that it's happened in yours. And before we go further, we're, we're hitting a break here in a minute. I want to bring Nick on Um, Since he's been with us since the beginning, Nick, is there anything you want to ask him going into the break? And then we can, we can give him time to respond coming back.
2: Yes. I I want to say something and then ask, uh, ask something. So uh, if you're not paying attention, you won't be able, like Nate has uh, to see miracles like this happen. And for him, everybody has, I'm sure plenty of them happen in their lives. Uh, Some people, need to really start paying attention to that when when those things happen in your life and uh, let you know you're on the right track. So I wanted to ask him, um, in regards to the uranium 1 deal and all that, there was a gag order put on the uh, witness that was the informant for the FBI. Rod Rosenstein did that, at least that's the way I understand it. And uh, he was kept from talking. You know, I kind of wonder... um, what exactly they had going on? I heard a rumor that Robert Mueller even personally was de- involved in delivering delivering the uranium one sample uh, to Moscow in two thousand nine, um, which could make a lot of sense. But uh, you know, I, I think that this goes much more uh, much deeper than anybody really kind of understands. You know, because I've even heard rumors that you know, uh, you know, combined with that, besides the email stuff, that David Kendall. The same person that represented Clinton in the, the bleach fit and white water and uh, other scandals, he was uh, trying to get the money, uh, 1.2 billion of Gaddafi's money that was uh, hidden from the United Nations uh, via two 40-foot cargo containers, and he was tasked to go recover that money. I think it might be uh, all tied to that, too, and with the money laundering, and I wonder if that same money ended up the Clintons because they and their foundation because after the uranium one deal they ended up getting what was it I think it was 145 million dollar quote unquote donation to the Clinton Foundation it's just a big uh, criminal enterprise right
1: let's let's I want Nate to respond we're coming back stay tuned you're listening to Justin form talk radio
0: absolutely no fees. There is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back and your monthly statements will have no surprises. If you're not sure if you can trust this economy, this secure collateralized portfolio may be a good option for you. Just go to investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter dot com. or call them at 888-Y-REFI-24. That's 888-Y-REFI-24. Tell them Joe sent you.
3: Join me Wednesday on Swamp Fight when I'll be joined by Colorado State Representative Mike Lynch. Be there or be square. That's Wednesday at 5 p.m. right here on AM 1360. Can run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Soon or,
1: or later gotta cut you down. Sooner later gotta cut you down. Welcome back to Justin Forum Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig James. Now we're joined by a very special guest, Nate Kane. He's known as the FBI whistleblower. Uh Nate, so i want you to respond to what nick's uh statement and question was before the break and you know maybe we're, we're gonna have to schedule you to come back nate because there's so much we didn't even touch on your work with the trump administration or your work as far as the 2020 election goes um i do want to have you respond to what nick was saying and then have you and nick uh kind of go at it for a minute and then i really want to make sure that we uh talk about your run for congress nate and get that out there mm-hmm. and, and get people information on that in West Virginia. So let's let's start with, Nate, you responding to what Nick was saying before the break, and I'll let you and Nick sure. go at it for a minute.
5: I want to just comment real quickly on the, in the intro song coming down this last segment uh, by Johnny Cash. The Lord actually spoke to me about that song. <laughs> and so it's very interesting that it was playing as it was coming in because I really do feel like That's what my run for Congress is all about. It's about being God's instrument to go down to Washington, D.C., to call out the corruption and to call out the evil that has been going on in our country for far too long. And uh, so it's pretty interesting to hear that song as I was coming in. Oh, amen, brother. Um,
1: God's plan is a serendipity, man. It's all there. It is. Um, It is. So to answer the— Yeah, go to Nick's, and then we'll let Nick go for a second. I mean, Nate, you can answer.
5: Oh sure, yeah. So my my uh, the, to answer next question, yes, um, there absolutely uh, is something more that's going on. They've been so secretive and they've hidden so many things. One of the things that was interesting is that thumb drive. Um, I was authorized to maintain by uh, the um, by the uh, Department of Justice IG Michael Horowitz. Um, in case the HIPSE or, or the the Senate uh, Intel Committee did nothing, I could could take it to the Judiciary Committees and the FBI when they raided me it seemed their sole purpose was to get their hands on that thumb drive and get it out of my possession and there was a lot of uh, evidence on there um, so you know there was there was a lot uh, going on at that time in North Africa um, there were some things that were going on um, I think I've, I've mentioned this before in a few interviews although it's been a while um, but there was a guy by the name of Mark Turry that was involved in gun running uh, legally uh, he was called in by the State Department. He had come up with this plan on how to get weapons to the Syrians um, by basically, because we couldn't sell directly to them, by selling them to basically the uh, Qatar, and then the Qataris would then give those weapons to the rebels in Syria. The problem is, is uh, and it was all small arms only, but what ended up happening was um, in an interview uh, that came out later, uh, he said that he was basically removed from that project and uh, they they kicked him out of the plan and Hillary Clinton took over and she decided to add stinger missiles and other things you know to that arms deal and uh, And I think a lot of the evidence um, of that was known um, you know by the embassy in Benghazi and so a lot of it had, to do with that, and and there's some suspicion that uh, that the whole reason why Hillary Clinton gave the stand down order on um, Benghazi, uh, on you know saving you know the lives of those that were in Benghazi, was in order to allow that whole thing to burn to the ground to get rid of all the evidence. And uh, and that has I know has been talked about you know by um, by many, and and that's actually how I met Nick, was because we were piecing pieces together. Between what I knew and what he knew and um, and we were seeing this pattern of uh, illegal uh, arms dealing and things like that that were going on through North Africa and uh, you know in I
1: I would just interject also that that it reminds me of Stephen Paddock with the the arms dealing stuff and what happened there in Las Vegas during that mass shooting but Nick I want you to to wrap it up with any other questions then let we're gonna we're gonna give uh, Nate, a chance to, to talk about his, his upcoming election. You there, Nick? Are you muted?
2: Yes, want to come out on the Egyptian the Egyptian embassy. I apologize. Uh, the so the Egyptian embassy was given up during the Benghazi attacks as well. It's related to what you talked about. Hillary Clinton had just visited Egypt prior to that, and then the Egyptian dictator that was later killed during his trial from poison. This is during you know before the recess. He was he was poisoned, uh, uh, he actually said that he had dirt on uh, powerful world leaders, and then he was murdered in between uh, and during and I wonder if it has to do with the money that Gaddafi had hidden in, in uh, two 40-foot cargo containers in Ghana, in particular, uh, where uh, David Kendall tried to launder the money back to the United States. I wonder if it had something to do with that. Um, but um, you know, that isn't really too much out there uh, Uh, you know, spread that information. But uh, I have pretty good sources on this, and I think that that's pretty true. I wonder if that's even in
5: all that data that you had. That's possible. There were so many countries that were involved in – because basically what I had had all of the money trail coming from multiple countries around the world, many of them that are on a list that you cannot take money from. And it was being funneled through multiple charities eventually making it into the Clinton Foundation, and then there was money going out from the Clinton Foundation paying for supposed construction projects in places like Africa and, and uh, Haiti and things like that where there was not really any kind of, uh, you know, these companies were clearly shell corporations, they weren't building anything. Oh, That
2: reminds me, so, so the, this is the reason I found out about this, uh, and uh, she, she was trying to launder the money to Turkey through there through a construction project and
5: so it's kind of weird that you say that and i've got pretty good details on that yeah so it's always a dangerous thing when nick and i get together I, well yeah i was gonna say nate I,
1: I don't know if you're interested we may have to bring you back on and do maybe even uh, the full two hours because there is so much we can unpack but we have a couple we have a couple seconds uh Tell everybody about your, your run coming up for Congress. I'll, I'll let you talk about it more on the other side of the break, but just just tell us what, you know, you plan to do. I, I think you already gave us a good idea, but what is that looking like now?
5: Well, in, in November of uh, 22, after the election, and you had mentioned that I had worked on some election integrity things back in 2020. I was so disappointed to see that a lot of the same stuff that went on in 2020 happened again in 2022 and and I I prayed and I you know was with my family we were having prayer time in the morning and I just said God I pray that you would raise up righteous men and women to run for office and you know you better be careful when you pray prayers like that because I heard very clearly the Lord speak to me and say, what about you?" And my immediate responses: Hold on a minute, Lord! I meant other righteous people, not me. <laughs> You'd have to be insane to run for office right now. You know, I mean, it's like when this whole you know when this whole thing goes down, uh, the people that they're going to want to hang is going to be all those common conquerors. Like, we'll Lord, talk about why, it. Why would I want to do that?
1: We're hitting the break. We'll come <laughs> okay. back. Uh, perfect segue. We'll be back. Everybody, stay tuned. You're listening to Just Form Talk Radio. We'll be back in just a second.
3: Hi folks, this is Pastor Bruce Miller with the Foothills Baptist Church family. Join us Sunday afternoons from 3 to 4 for the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. That's Sunday afternoons 3 to 4 here on 1360 AM.
0: You are listening to KHNC, The Roar of the Rockies. The Rockies. That's who you are. You brought me back.
1: welcome back to just form talk radio i'm your host craig james we're uh joined here by nate kane and nick no nick thank you for joining us again we'll we'll see you again tomorrow i want to give nate a second uh to kind of just finish up his thoughts and and give anybody information about how they can you know help contribute to his campaign and support him uh that i want to do and then Nate, interestingly enough, we do end every show with our "God's grace is greater" as soon as you're able, because I really want to keep going into some of the other stuff, like working with Trump and the the 2020 election, uh, and 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 this is going to be a big. So, go ahead and take it from there, Nate.
5: So, yeah, as I said, uh, you know, I kind of started off this campaign um, as a reluctant candidate and just being obedient to the Lord. But what's happened is, as I've gone out and talked to the people. Um, our, our, my district is huge. It's the whole northern half of the state. It's a rural area. Um, it's a lot of distance, and there's 27 counties in my district. So, we're doing a lot of traveling, and uh, you know, getting out and talking to a lot of people. I'm running a very grassroots campaign, um, and what's happened is, is, I've, I've, as I've gone out there talking to people and hearing, you know, what they're, what they've been praying for, essentially for the last five years is for God to raise up righteous man to, you know, to leave their state. And and i that's a heavy burden. You know, it's a humbling experience to know that, you know, that you, you've got people that are praying and they're hoping that, that you are somebody that is going to live up to that standard. So I remember, first and foremost, I ask that people please pray for me, pray that God will help, you know, to, to keep me, uh, you know, within his alignment and what he wants me to be doing. Um, but also, I do need help. Um, one of the things is, is I'm running against... A lot of very powerful people. Uh, it's an open seat, but the fact is, is that the state party leadership and a lot of the people that are, you know, kind of in the political world have already chosen you know, the successor, and uh, the guy who they've chosen as a successor, successor, Riley Moore. Uh, he's got some interesting connections. He was the vice president of the Podesta Group. Oh, you can't make no. this stuff up.
1: Come um, on.
5: He 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 was a foreign registered agent. You know, with multiple countries, including uh, you know, including uh, Iraq and and um, and uh, the Socialist Republic of Vietnam, Azerbaijan, Hong Kong, and he was a. Uh, he was an unregistered agent working and lobbying on behalf of right. the uh, Ukraine.
1: So so tell them where that's, to go. Tell them where the to money. go because we only got a minute left.
5: Okay. So the best place to do uh, to donate to my campaign is go to my website. its Nate number is natecain4wv.com. That's n-a-t-e-c-a-i-n, the number four, w-v.com. There's a donate here link up in the upper right-hand corner. And that is the best way that people can help me because I am running a 100% uh, you know individual driven campaigns, so I mean i don 't have any pack money, I got no corporate uh, lobbyists donating to me on none of that it 's all coming from you know people like you and like your listeners all over the all over the country, forty different states, but you know i 'm being outraged ten to one without a doubt, and I think God does that intentionally because this is a bit of a uh, well I was going to uh, share this a, verse uh, real uh, quick. The, uh, everybody go to Nate thing.
1: kane number four w v dot com support his campaign and I was going to share uh, Romans chapter 5. It talks about how... When we face affliction, we have to trust that it will produce endurance and that that endurance will help us find a proven character and that that proven character will help us lead others to hope. That's what I think you're doing. That's the the affliction we're all facing in this these times that are so unstable. But Nate, thank you for joining us. We're going to work on getting you back on, brother, because we, 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 we I want to give you the full two hours to go, you, me, and Nick, and just get all this out there, but... Thank you to everybody for tuning in. Thank you to Nick Noe for joining us today on the show and getting through so many interesting topics. Thank you to Nate Kane. Go support his run for Congress. Nate Kane, the number four, WV.com. And uh, stay tuned. Great shows coming up next. I'm your host, Craig James. We'll see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, Godspeed and God bless each and every one of you, Patriots.